Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And here we sit, 12-10 on a Monday, September the 16th. No, 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 this is not Jeff Wagner. This is Scott Warris, and I know what you're saying. You lied to us, Scott. You lied. Uh, fake news. Friday, you signed off saying Jeff Wagner will return on Monday, and here you sit. Why are you a liar? Why are you spreading fake news? Um, no, Jeff, who has been on a, a, a listener trip for the last week and a half in Europe, I don't know where in Europe, but uh, Europe, it's kind of a general, you know, geographical thing there. Uh, they were delayed. They were delayed. So expected to be back tomorrow. So here am I to take you up until 3 o'clock. So uh, Jeff and everybody who went with that trip, I know Jeff and Fran and, and all the listeners with with them, uh, we wish them safe travels and expected to be back tomorrow. Just a delay as can happen sometimes. This weekend, I went and I filled up my gas tank. Did you fill up, Kyle uh, Pachinski, producing the big program as always, because uh, Gru has also been delayed because uh, they travel together. Uh, did you fill up your gas tank? Uh, no. Should I have? What? Look, we, we, we got Iran. Their, their, their drones are bombing the uh, Saudi Arabian oil fields. Oil prices across the globe are on the way up. I'm paranoid that way, so I topped off my tank while I could get it at like 229 or so. I'm paranoid about that. So I went in to the clerk, because I paid with cash, yes, I know, and I, I'm a sucker for customer service, folks, don't forget that. But I went in to the clerk, to, you know, here's 15 bucks, top me off, and I said, yeah, you gotta, I got to... Got to fill up before the gas prices go up. This was Saturday night. And he goes, gas is supposed to go up, huh? And I said, oh, yeah, didn't you see the news? He's like, oh, you mean the the uh, the drone bombing of uh, the oil fields in Saudi Arabia? And I said, yes. He said, ah, don't worry about that. We get our we get our gas and our, you know, our, our gasoline, our oil reserves from Canada. And I said, oh, well, that's fine. He said, yeah, they come from Canada, you know, through the uh, pipeline down to the Illinois, Gary, Indiana area. And then it, it kind of uh, projects out the different pipelines into the upper Midwest. And I said, well, that's fine. But I'm pretty sure that the global market when it comes to oil will be impacted by this. So even if we don't necessarily get our reserve from saudi arabia i'm still betting that the prices will go up and sure enough this morning and throughout the day there's different reports saying that we will likely see the united states will likely see some increase in gas prices if even you know maybe 10 25 50 cents or so and it's not going to go three dollars four dollars or something like that so i think i feel somewhat good in that decision you paid you paid 229 i paid 229 on saturday how about that how much was it today any idea, like um, ten cents, two thirty nine? I I really wasn't paying attention, only because I know that I've got a full tank. Right. But sure. like I say, in reading some of the reports this morning, Patrick Dehan is quoted everywhere. Gasbuddy.com. He must be the only person that can predict these things, because 
I, I, honestly, Patrick DeHaan is the only person who offers any sort of prog, you know, prognostication on gas prices across the country. At any rate, Patrick DeHaan was quoted in any number of publications this morning saying, yeah, you might see a little bit of a spike over the next week to 10 days, depending on how quickly Saudi Arabia can reopen those uh, oil fields. And the president has said he's going to release some of the strategic reserve. So that might help quell what would be an otherwise quicker spike in gas prices here across the U.S. Don't I'm not an expert in this, so don't. Although you know, if you can find gas for two twenty something, I would say do it. That's pretty reasonable, right? Remember, it seems like Kyle. It seems like there are multiple times every year we say when gas, let's say, inches up close to three dollars again, we say it's never going to come back down to two dollars again. We're never going to see gas at two twenty again, and then we normally do. It just it fluctuates up and down, right? So. Fill up your gas tank. That's the moral of the story. Because it's going to go through the roof. I just Patrick DeHaan. That's the one to look for when it comes to that. Uh, as I mentioned with Carol and Steve, in a little while, I, I would like to have a discussion about hotel rooms versus vacation rentals. The phenomenon that is Airbnb versus the traditional... Just sign me up for a hotel room. And we're going to have a little bit of a spin on that because I want to take the price out of it. And I realize that that is, in many people's situations, the number one factor as to whether or not they're going to Airbnb it or hotel it. I'm going to take the price out of it. We'll get to that as well. Um, Andrew Yang, he made that rather, what would you say, remarkable debate proposal last Thursday in the Democratic debate about giving $120,000 to 10 families over a year. And it apparently has paid off in terms of campaign support, not surprisingly, and attention for his campaign. We had a car versus scooter incident in Milwaukee. By my recollection, this may be the first one of its kind, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, please do. But I have a larger question to ask about that because I, uh, this weekend, uh, came not in contact, although almost literally in contact, with a couple scooters on the sidewalk, and I was pretty ticked off about it, and I want to know if I should maybe take a particular avenue of recourse next time, and I want your help with that. But the first thing, I just have a question as to what occurred yesterday at Lambeau Field, Packers, home opener, Vikings, big win, 2-0. and Still, don't overreact one way or the other. you got to wait to four or five games. Let's wait till October, and then we can start understanding who the Packers are. As I said before, that's one of the great pieces of advice that Wayne Larravee has given. Uh, he said it on the air. He's told me it. You, you, just, you don't know what a football team is in the NFL until you get into October, really. You need a month or so under your belt, unless, of course, you're losing your quarterback. I think we know what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be, maybe the New Orleans Saints as well, without their quarterbacks for a while. But anyway, yesterday, Lambeau Field. In the postgame, Matt LaFleur, head coach, gave kudos to many of you who were there, if you were there. And and one of the first things out of his mouth with Larry McCarron in the post-game interview here on the uh, the radio network, I know up at the podium as well when he spoke with all the media, I heard him give credit to the Packers fans who were at Lambeau. 
And I'd like to hear from those of you who were there. I know Steve was there. I believe he was there. He was talking about it earlier this morning. And I want to know if the great volume debate at Lambeau, if that has now been settled once and for all. I understand there were certain things that the public address announcer tried to do. I heard Greg Matzik talking about it yesterday afternoon in terms of trying to rally or or rile, rather, up the crowd in key situations. I was watching it on television like many of you, and it, it seemed like the crowd was pretty involved, but it's hard to tell on television as to really how loud it is. At any rate... We have been debating and been discussing how loud our fans at Lambeau, and I've explained to you my theory that, look, comparatively speaking, for several reasons, some of which are just pure scientific, the construction of the stadium and whatnot, Lambeau's crowds are only so loud. But nevertheless, after the game, Matt LaFleur says, got to give credit to the crowd, they were loud. So I just want to do this real quickly here. Uh, we'll, we'll break. When we come back, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. If you were there yesterday, and I know some of you were there at the game yesterday, was it louder than traditionally? I mean, did LaFleur finally get what he's been asking for? I just want to take the temperature a little bit from, uh, hopefully, there's somebody out there who was there at the game and can lend their perspective. 414-799-1620. Because I have a theory, if it indeed was louder, I have a theory as to, hmm, maybe Matt LaFleur, a little smarter on this topic than people were giving him credit for after they busted out that foghorn after the first exhibition game 414-799-1620 if you were at lambo yesterday tell me how loud the crowd was and if it really did make a difference and then i'll explain to you my theory behind it all in two minutes on wtmj i'm scott warris back for more here's wtmj's jeff wagner scott warris in for jeff expected to be back tomorrow is mr wagner just spending a moment here in the first half hour. In reaction to yesterday's Packers game, the atmosphere at Lambeau, because the coach, Matt LaFleur, who has talked about since he took over through the preseason about how he wanted Lambeau to be much louder than it was and try different tactics, different techniques. They obviously couldn't do the strobe lights after touchdowns. It's a day game. What good is that going to do, flashing the lights when the sun is out? Maybe for a night game they'll do that. They tried the foghorn, everybody didn't like the foghorn, and, and I think people got a little bit perturbed about what Lafleur was trying to instill, but maybe there was a method to his madness. Anyway, I was uh, looking for people who were at the game yesterday to give me some sense of how loud it was, if it was louder than normal, because Lafleur felt it did, gave credit to the fans in helping with the win. Mike, in Green Bay, you were there, Mike. I was there. I am at all the games. I'm a season ticket holder. Perfect. So tell me, was yesterday noticeably more raucous than some of the games, some of the years that you've gone in the past? Yesterday was loud. Hmm. Yesterday was very loud. They uh, cheered when they were supposed to. They were loud when the defense was on the field. And when the offense was on the field, the, the crowd uh, uh, kept, kept their silence for the most part. So I thought the crowd did a heck of a job of uh, cheering our Packers on. Okay. So... Then it would make sense that Lafleur, you know, some of the comments after the game were warranted. So here's um, 
Yeah. What they all what they also did, um, they traditionally the Packers the last probably ten years would play extremely loud music in between the plays. Yesterday they they seemed to back they softened up uh, the music between the plays and uh, often between the plays they had no music a lot at all, which gave us a better chance to cheer as well. And they also have in the jumbotron uh, some Packers, you know, get loud. Get loud, sure. or things like that, and and that 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 was nice too. The way they hmm. uh, presented that. All right, hey, thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you're loud again next Sunday against Denver. My theory on this is that Lafleur was cr- everybody thought Foghorn. What's he getting on Packers fans for for not being loud enough? But maybe maybe Lafleur was crazy like a fox, and his tactics ultimately worked. My theory is he never intended to have the foghorn be a thing. Never necessarily intended to have other artificial noisemakers that he he knew people at Lambeau would cringe at when played. It was just too artificial for something as hallowed as Lambeau Field. But maybe all along, just just, just hear me out, maybe all along Matt LaFleur knew that those tactics were going to be so hated, so reviled by the traditional Packers fans that they would be angered to the point where, come the opener against Minnesota, Packers fans felt, you know what, we'll show this new coach, we'll show this this new regime that we can be loud. Maybe LaFleur was crazy like a fox for introducing the artificial elements, and even as a head coach, paying any attention to how loud the stadium is when he has everything else on his on his plate to deal with. Hmm? Consider that for a second, that all the hand-wringing and the angst over the foghorn and what do you mean we're not loud and, and LaFleur spending time discussing it even at all as a head coach, maybe that was all meant to tick you off. And if so, did it not work? As Mike said yesterday, or as Mike said there, who was there, and as I could kind of tell through the television broadcast, very quiet when necessary on offense, and it seemed through the television that there were moments where you heard the crowd a little bit louder than traditional. So, in the end, maybe Matt LaFleur knew just exactly what it would take to get under your skin and tick you off enough that you'd say, all right, we'll show them. We don't need sound effects. We can be loud. And maybe it worked. Going to have to do it again next weekend and moving forward, but maybe it worked. Give him credit for that. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 262 Texter says, I don't think the crowd noise had anything to do with the Packers' success. They started out hot on offense. Their defense played well. Honestly, the Vikings quarterback lost the game for them, as well as the referees didn't do them any favors. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Crowd noise has nothing to do with whether or not a team wins or loses a game. That is not what I am saying. I am with you very much. Packers fans could be the loudest in history, and if the performance on the field doesn't dictate one way or the other, you can win or lose the game. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just bringing up something that the coach had brought up. Yes, but uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people who think, well, the fans won the game for the team now. Look, it's fun to be loud. It's fun to be raucous and all that stuff. But No 12th man. Although, Eric Bill said, although, well, um, no, no. I mean, maybe you could say, like I said, in Seattle, because of the, the acoustics of that place, Kansas City. I mean, if, if, if the other team, if the quarterback cannot communicate 
and it can start to play a role, but that's just not the case at Lambeau. It was loud, but it wasn't deafening to the point where we can't communicate and now we're losing games. The turning point yesterday, though, and I don't know why anybody hasn't brought this up, the turning point of yesterday's game was when I elected to no longer sit on the couch and watch, I, I swear to you, I stood up, and Cousins threw the pick in the end zone to King. That was the turning point. And I don't know why Matzik didn't mention it. Uh, wasn't on the post game with Wayne and Larry and Gabe. I don't know why. Can't tell if there's any sarcasm in your voice or not. We, we, we impact the game. We fans, not by our volume, but by what we do at home, impacts the game very much so. And when I stood up in my West Dallas apartment on that play switch jerseys and cousins through the pick i was like that's the turning point you're welcome you're welcome lafleur i don't need to be at the game to impact it no you should get a phone call and <laughs> you should have seen what i did for bronze grand slam oh man I've, so I, did you catch both of those did you catch the end of the packers game and the brewers game uh no because I have to admit, I totally forgot the Brewers were playing wow. until I got a text from someone saying, holy cow, are you watching this? And I was like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. hey, hey what? Yo, we've got a that. major league, yeah, they got jerseys and everything. <laughs> we have a major league baseball team. In the, yes, we do. No, my, um, all right, I'll admit it, my, my superstition right now in the Brewers is, because I was going back and forth, Sure. when I turn it off or turn to something else, they have more success than when I'm watching, so honestly... The 3-2 pitch, two outs, and I flipped the station because I knew if I watch, nothing good's going to happen. I come back, he's circling the bases. The Brewers should be thanking you, too. Just saying. There's something to it. There's something to it. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. WTMJ listeners and fans, listen up. Join us two weeks from today, Monday, September 30th, a brand new signature event unveiled, WTMJ 2020. That's the name. We're going to have newsmakers, politicians, sports authorities, many more discussing the trends and issues that will shape the coming year. We're inviting you to be a member of our live radio audience at this free all-day event. It takes place at the Northern Lights Theater. It's inside Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. And again, it's Monday, September 30th, all day. You can come and go as you please. It is free. Did I mention that it's free? And it's at uh, Northern Lights Theater, Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. WTMJ 2020 is sponsored by Annex Wealth Management, Acunet Mortgage and Realty, and Professional Construction Incorporated. Check out more details online now at WTMJ.com. It will be a who's who of pretty much every industry you can think of. It's going to be a great event. All of the WTMJ voices that you listen to every day will be on stage uh, conducting these different panels. So inviting you to that. And uh, two weeks from today, we'll be right smack dab in the middle of WTMJ 2020. Okay, here is the conversation I'd like to have for the next little while here. I realize that the Airbnb phenomenon is, is pretty much commonplace now. I first what, I would say, heard of the Airbnb concept. Oh, man, maybe six years ago, five, six years ago, had a friend uh, who uh, went overseas. I believe they went to Italy, and she said, yeah, we're Airbnb-ing it in Italy. And I, I, you know, Airbnb, what is Airbnb? She said, well, we're just, we're in essence renting the home. It was a villa 
Uh, it was it was like something out of a movie. But anyway, we're we're renting the villa of uh, an owner here on this piece of property, right on a waterfront property in Italy. Is remarkable. Like I said, something out of a movie. And I'm like, Airbnb. What is this? It's oh, we we just stay in somebody else's house. What? Yeah, we just stay in somebody else's house. They've rented it to us uh, for the week or whatever it was, and that's where we're going to be staying. I said, are you going to be in a hotel? Are you going to have, do, do have room service? Is there some sort of amenities, the the luxury? No. Nope. Buy our own food if we want to eat in, make the beds, clean, you know, all that stuff. Like, wow, okay. Well, here we sit six, seven years later, and Airbnb is pretty common. And I know many of you have utilized this. But the debate rages on, and I think every vacationer has to decide at some point, do we want to use the Airbnb, go that route, or go the traditional hotel route? And over the weekend, CNN.com did kind of a point-counterpoint. They call it the accommodation debate. Hotel room or vacation rental. And they go with the pros and the cons for each. And... I find this interesting because I have never gone the Airbnb route, and I don't know that I ever will at this point. There's just something about living in somebody else's house that gives me pause. And I understand it's clean, it's prepared, They've it, it oftentimes, as we said before, is not their primary residence. It's a second home, it's a cottage on a lake, it's it's a a summer home you know, down south or so, that's a little warmer during the winter months, whatever it is. So I recognize that. But I want to hear from you. Is Are you like me? Can you get over that hump of, of living in somebody else's house, in essence? And if so, why? What is it that draws you to the Airbnb, draws you to somebody's house more than the hotel? I'll be honest. There are elements such as making my own bed, Cleaning my own bathroom? Is that a vacation? I don't know. Give me the maid service. Give me the room service. Give me the fact that I can get up, not make my bed, go out for the day, come back, and everything is made again with a mint on my pillow. That, to me, is vacation. But here's the key to this conversation. I want to take the financial element out of it altogether. And I realize that that is difficult because for many people... The financial piece is the reason why they will go the Airbnb route over the hotel. It's just cheaper in, in, in many ways to do that rather than go and book a hotel for a week, 10 days. But take that out of the equation. Take the financial savings out and make the case one way or the other. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're thinking, Scott, you're a moron. You're missing out on something very, very cool that is happening around the world, and you're foolish for refusing to go this route and going the hotel route only. Texter from the 734. 734. Where's that? Well, I'll look it up. Scott, I'd rather use a hotel than rent a room or a condo. I always have a fear that I'll mess up the property somehow. Pull on a window drape cord and rip the, rip the thing away from the wall. Have a pot boil out water on a stove or set off a smoke detector, things like that. Using someone's home is more like tiptoeing about in a museum, whereas overnighting in a hotel with standard rules of decorum allow you more freedom of movement. A hotel won't care that you've come back to your room at 2 a.m., 
drunk out of your skull, and it's almost expected that you'll puke in the bathtub. Okay, I've never done that, but I know the point you're making. Neighbors, though, if you're b and being it, neighbors might complain when you drive into a garbage can at 2 a.m. and the renter isn't going to want to clean up a bathtub full of vomit. This is very visual here. Hotel, day in, days out, uh, day in and day out, hotel points, uh, free nights, hotels win. And with the exception of the puking in the bathtub, that kind of summarizes how I feel in a lot of ways as well. Hmm. So let's have it. 414-799-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dave, Paul, Tony, you're on the line. Please hold on. We have a couple open lines for you as well as we continue here on WTMJ. I'm Scott Warris. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, some of you on the text line are making the point that uh, a hotel will charge you fees if you end up puking in the bathtub or elsewhere in the room. I suppose so. Yes, you're right on that front. Point taken. But larger point, I hopefully you get. 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, to the phones. Dave in Waukesha, where do you come down? Hotel versus Airbnb? Uh, kind of depends on the destination. Um, I've done the um, vacation rental by owner track for quite a while, especially when I go like to, let's say, to Arizona for sp- spring training, for instance. Beautiful house, you know. And, and again, wiping price off the map. Yes, it was just it was it was in a gated community, and the thing is, is they had a pool and a pool table set up in the dining room, which you know I just thought a little odd, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, you know, near a golf course and and. Do you feel though, Dave, when you are in someone else's house that you're walking on eggshells in some no. respect? No, not really, because a lot of them. Remember, a lot of those, a lot of those properties, especially like the the VBROs and the Airbnbs and stuff like that, they're managed by profession management management companies. I mean, so they, you know, they kind of, you know, it really is kind of like a hotel. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's just that you're on, you don't have people coming in walking down the hallways at at two o'clock in the morning talking loud because they're drunk you know mm-hmm. that type of thing you know so i mean it's it's much you don't necessarily have to eat there i mean you can go out and get yourself you know still go out to a restaurant and still go oh, out sure. and that kind of stuff you know right. i mean it's really good now now if i was going you know like when i go to like arizona or if i go to florida that's kind of the preferred route now that said if i go to new york or you know another big city or something like that then I prefer the hotel room. Just Why? Because, well, because I just don't, I don't necessarily feel all that comfortable with uh, the selection I'd be able to get um, as far as um, the units and, and things like that. Because you get more into a condo setting and, you know, in some sky, I'd, I'd rather much rather be in the, you know, in the mm-hmm. hotel. Because you can walk to everything anyway. True, know, so I mean, yeah. And, and and some people have made that point on the text line as well that it it depends where I'm going if it's a if it's a a big city like you say like New York or Chicago or L A maybe then you go the hotel route because of the amenities of a hotel plus you want to be downtown where all the action is things like that and and versus being out in the suburbs and then trying to somehow get into the city. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this, Dave. When when you have uh, gone the Airbnb route, have you poked around people's 
people's houses? You know, have you gone in the cabinet and hmm, I wonder what's behind this door? Hmm, no, this because person? most of them are, are fairly sterile. I mean, it's just, you know, there's the cooking implements there and, and things yeah. like that. Maybe a couple of pictures or things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, you know, it, again, it depends. I know we were, a couple of years ago, we were out in Hawaii. Um, my folks, you know, they rented a, 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 a a person residence and things like that, or, you know, whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, I appreciate the call, Dave. I appreciate it. I'm going to move on here. 414-799-1620. Let's quickly squeeze in Paul. He's calling us from Illinois today. Hi, Paul. Yeah, hi. Thanks for the call. Thank you. When it comes down to my travels, it's actually also suggestions, but also reputations and reviews. Uh, we know that Marriott just started going with uh, a concept like Airbnb where you could rent the homes in Paris, rent the homes in London. If you go to Capri in Italy, they really don't have a lot of hotels, yet you can rent a villa. With that said, I just rented two weeks ago a wonderful three-bedroom home just outside of Yosemite. I don't feel, I mean, it feels like a lot of these places feel like home. But I think Marriott has got the right concept where you could feel a brand, but they're also certified. So you're sitting on Marriott bedding, you're sitting Mm -hmm. on the Marriott pillows. Mm -hmm. So for people, I think that would be a good good hybrid. But I think it comes down to location. But, yeah, to, to make your breakfast in the morning so you... And go enjoy a wonderful evening at night, or come back with that bottle of wine or something. That's really that's what it's about. It's it's family time. It's good times like that. I didn't know so, Marriott. I, I I appreciate the call, Paul. I did not realize Marriott is doing that, but it sounds like that might be something that uh, moving forward might be a happy medium for people like me. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Linda in Wauwatosa, hang on, we'll come to you because Linda is going to make a point in favor of Airbnbs that a lot of you have made via the text line. And we'll get to you in two minutes. Scott Morris in for Jeff Wagner on this Monday afternoon. Okay, let's quickly get to this call here. Linda in Wauwatosa. Linda, you're making the case for the Airbnb, and you're not alone because I've seen a lot of people make this case on the text line. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, For us as a family with four kids and often hosting exchange students, it. We've been using Airbnb consistently since 2009, and it made it um, affordable for us as a family to go places because, you know, we could just rent the Airbnb and there would be beds for all six or seven of us. Um, We would take coolers with us. We would make our own breakfast. We would pack our lunches. Um, You know, sometimes we would come back and make our own dinner. So it made it affordable for a family of our size. Sure, sure. And and, and that's a great point. And I I did kind of preface this by saying let's take the financial part out of the discussion because I realize that that's going to push a lot of people in that direction. However, the fact that you have such a large family is something that others have brought up and that if you want to go the hotel route, it is not always easy to get two, three adjoining rooms so that the whole family is you know, within proximity of one another and not on another floor or down the hall and around the corner, things right. like that. You are all together under the same roof. So the the um, the family element of having everybody together is something that is uh, definitely in, in favor of the Airbnb. I appreciate that. Anybody have any good stories of Airbnb? Any good, oh my gosh, we opened up the closet and ew, I didn't know that they collected that. Or somebody Found a little something in there. Somebody, well, like, <laughs> or uh, a big something. <laughs> Carol Kane was saying that when she goes Airbnb, she's checking through yeah, drawers and going through stuff. And I know they people, generally lock up all people that stuff. lock it up or they, you know, they, they, Snoop proof their residence, right, yeah. things like that. 
I'd love to hear somebody just saying, yes, we, we, we found a secret passageway and went down to the basement and opened it up. And they said, whoa, can't believe they have this in there. Okay. The great debate will roll on. I don't know if anybody's convinced me to avoid hotels, but I understand where people are coming from in some of this. If you have a good Airbnb story, you can tell us over the news and we'll, we'll uh, go through it. I'd love to know if somebody just found something that was just repulsive or disgusting and they said, I'm out. Or did you break something? Maybe you broke something and tried to glue it back together, some priceless heirloom. Did you knock down a painting and a drunk... <laughs> wouldn't leave a priceless but did heirloom you, Well, up. but maybe you knocked down a painting and a drunken stupor. You, you, you broke a mirror. Mm, okay. You, you know, like somebody said, you ripped down the blinds and they fell because you were stumbling around, you and the family. The kids went crazy. There's got to be some horror, some Airbnb horror stories. Tell me what they were. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff is off for one more day. A little bit of a delay for Jeff and the group of listeners that he took on the trip to Europe. So uh, we anticipate him back tomorrow. I said right before the news that if anybody had a good Airbnb horror story, I'd love to hear it. Like you went somewhere and you, you opened a door, you're poking around, you're looking in the, the medicine cabinet and it's, you know, just a, somebody, you know, you find a half a pound of Coke or something like that. Or you, go, you go down into the basement and you yeah. open up a, a secret passage entrance and it's got a, you know, a, a, a full... Clown costume. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> Anything good? Got a couple here. Awesome. So if you want to share a quick Airbnb horror story, 414-799-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's go to uh, start with uh, Tommy. Tommy and Slinger. Hey, Tommy. Hi. Um, yeah, I've got a horror story. All right. Let's hear it. I'm, 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 I'm done with all the Airbnb love. Let, let me hear some <laughs> bad Airbnb stories. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for this part, too. Good. Um, we, my wife and I were in Salt Lake City for a convention, and we found a really nice place. It was one level of a house. I uh, had a bedroom, bathroom on one story, and the, the owners of the house lived on the upper level, and they had this dog. It was just the worst dog in the world. It was so mean, and it would try to, like, jump over um, those little fences that they put up for kids, you know, so they don't fall down the steps. Oh, yeah. It would try to jump over that one time it got over, and it was trying to get us. Oh. And all throughout the night, it knew we were in the house, and so it was barking. And we couldn't sleep because the dog was just nuts. And, what kind uh, of dog was it? Well, what kind of dog? It was just a, some, it was just a mud uh, oh, okay. a rescue dog. Uh, okay. that they, just, they had just gotten it. So uh, the lady was very apologetic, and she felt really bad, but it, it, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. I mean, it's one thing to just have that dog that's barking and barking and keeping you up and just annoying the heck out of you. It's another thing if it's trying to, you know, take your ankles off or something yeah, like it that. Definitely, it definitely did not like that we were there. No. I hope you put that in your review afterwards, Tommy. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Like I said, all right, everybody loves Airbnb except for me. I learned that in the last half hour, but there's got to be some horror stories. Cindy in Waukesha, what was your Airbnb horror story? Um, and it was kind of funny. Okay. It happened twice with my husband. He walked right through the screen door. <laughs> Wait, the- twice? What do you mean twice? 
twice. He did it uh, when we were in the Bahamas, and then he did it when we were at Amelia Island. And he is not a tiny guy. He's about 240 pounds and walked right through it. And the last one, he bent the frame up and ripped the screen. It was pretty bad. So he did the best he could to put it back up, but we did let the owners know. So okay. that's that's well, a horror story. It was. I know. would say. I would say. You know, it's one thing. I guess I was thinking horror stories, in terms of finding something awkward right. in the home. But there is the other. You know, the other end of the horror story, whereby you damage something, and now you've got to deal with this. Have, let me ask you this real quick, Cindy. What measures have you taken now to ensure your husband will not walk through screen doors anymore, seeing as it happened <laughs> twice before? We leave the screen door open. And we close, I mean, we, you know, we leave it open, we put it to the side, and we just have the regular glass door. So there is no screen door that goes across <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you could hang like a tennis ball or something in front of it, like you yeah. do when you park your car, so you know exactly. how, how close to going. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Cindy. I appreciate it. The, the, the damage element alone. I was talking uh, with uh, our very own Jay Sorgi, digital guru Jay Sorgi just a moment ago during the commercial break. And he said that uh, he and, and his family, I think they were in the Minneapolis area, they uh, Airbnb'd an apartment, parked their car out front. They had to go up to the room to get all the information and, and you know the material, stuff like that, including, oh, by the way, the parking permit. By the time they came back, he said it was maybe five, six minutes. By the time they came back, his car was towed, which is a rather quick method too if in five minutes your car is out of there well i appreciate the calls on that one did you kyle i well before we move on i'll uh ask you have you uh airbnb horror story of any kind because i know you're you're very much pro airbnb yeah very uh do you know where stevenson michigan might be i do only because only because i have uh, frequented the Big Boys restaurant in Stevenson, Michigan, on many an occasion. That was a, a a regular stop for me as I was working my way back from the Detroit area back in the day. So I do know where that is. Go ahead. Uh, it's Does in, it involve the well, Big it's Boys? In North, Northern Michigan. That's oh. the one I'm talking about. So this, it's about a half hour west of Escanaba, where we were trying to stay, me and my family members. And we were a group of like eight people, maybe eight or nine. And uh, there was only one roll of toilet paper that was for the entire place. They also had silverware for two people. Uh, and they did not have any, like, steak knives or any kind of carving tools. Like, no cooking utensils or anything like that. So, luckily, my girlfriend and I were the first ones there. And like, like We I was claim sa- the steak knives. We claim the cutlery. Well, no, no, no. We said, you know, all, red oh. alert, you guys got to bring some stuff, you know. So, that was one thing. Other than that. Being in St. Louis, I told you this off, Mike. Uh, big bugs in St. Louis in the summer. Uh, when it's humid, they grow. And um, there was a sort of an apartment complex lobby that we were in that the windows were gone because otherwise it would overheat. Hmm. Um, so bugs could fly in. And there was uh, this large hornet that was the size of my of my thumb, like a, the size of a, of a finger, a large Ooh. finger, and um, looked like it would it would kill me if I would go near it. So. Um, and that was right when we arrived, <laughs> like right arrived at the place. Where we're like, oh, my, how many of those are going to be flying around? But other than that, it's been fine. Did you put all that in your reviews afterward? <laughs> Too large of bugs. One star. But what about the cutlery thing? Uh, Can you leave us a few 
Forks and knives next we, time. Yes, we, that that was reflected in our in our reviews, and mm-hmm. they still gave us five stars as guests because of what you know how we yeah. treated the place and whatever. But um, yeah, I, I found that to be most odd because. Yeah. Do you know where they always have enough forks and knives if you would like to stay overnight? Where's that? Hotel restaurants. <laughs> I'm just saying. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Want to cheer on the green and gold, but don't have a radio handy? First of all, what is wrong with you if you don't have a radio handy? I mean, come on, 2019, go get a radio. But if you can't, or if you don't, or if it's not convenient for you at the moment, grab your computer and stream every Packers game at WTMJ.com. People know you can do this. You can stream. The NFL allows games to be streamed on computers only, not not handheld devices. So you can't do it on your phone, for example. The NFL says, eh, not so much. Roger Goodell says, no, we're not letting you do that. But we will let you do it on your computer. Wayne and Larry call every play for the 2019 Green Bay Packers. So what do you do? Just simply go to WTMJ.com on your computer to stream every game live. And I know many of you who are out of listening area of the radio, out of state, many of you out of the country uh, can do that and do do that. Great method to listen to Wayne and Larry. It's National Guacamole Day. Just passing that on. National Guac Day. Guacamole, one of those things that used to creep me out. I, I was slow to the guacamole party. Now I am a, a firm believer in guacamole. I think it's the it's the color that kind of turned me off at the beginning, and I taste it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Are, avoca- are avocados good for us right now or bad for us they're right now? They're very good for you. Melissa is here. Um, they're very good for me they're now. They're very good for you. Yeah, they have but some good I, fats. Well, now just hang on a second because I feel like a year and a half ago, two years ago, avocados were going to kill me because it's bad, but, <laughs> but it's the good fat. It's the good fat. I did- can't keep track of these things. Well, how many do you, you eat a day? Well, seven or eight. <laughs> Well, then no, that could that could affect your health. But, but it, it yeah. does seem like in society, a food that say, kills us today, you know, give it a week right. and scientists will save well, saving true. lives. That's true. So, so avocado's I think, good. Well, avocado's good. I think the color that might have turned you off isn't necessarily the bright green color that you get. It might be when it turns a little brown the next day. Do you ever have that? That's I like my I like my guacamole the way I like my bananas. <laughs> brown. A little more brown. <laughs> but there is a tip here. If you... Put the pit inside of the guacamole that you make, and then you stir it up the next day. It'll be bright green. It keeps it fresher longer if you put the pit inside the guac. Wait, take the pit? Yeah, out of of the the avocado. avocado, Cracked. Yep. Put it, save it. Save it. And then when my guacamole starts turning brown. No, 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 no. No, you put it in with your guacamole as you put it in the fridge. Oh, to keep it fresh. To keep it fresh, yeah. There you go. This is a fun fact, courtesy (laughs) of Melissa Barclay, as she celebrates... National Guacamole, guacamole Day. Day. Yeah, the 262 saying, Scott, maybe you'll warm up to Airbnb like you did guacamole. Oh, you don't like Airbnb either. <sighs> What's wrong with Thanks you? Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> I was in the newsroom. You've been listening the last hour and a half <laughs> no. as I've been maligning Airbnb. <sighs> Get on the podcast, Kyle. Melissa, <laughs> podcast it. Um, yeah, so there we go. So something happened to me, not just this weekend, um, but... A couple times over the last few weeks, I came face-to-face with a scooter. Uh, I don't know if it was Lime or 
I'm blanking on the other two names of scooters. Bird. Bird or what? Spin. Spin. There we go. Bird, lime, spin. I knew they were one word. I just couldn't. Monosyllabic. I just couldn't remember what they were. I don't know which brand it was, but I was um, walking on a sidewalk, walking on a sidewalk as I, the pedestrian, am allowed to do. And here comes not one but two uh, motorized scooters coming at me. Now, they weren't going... Well, they can only go, what, 15 miles an hour at the most. But, And I, I had a decision to make. I, as a pedestrian, as a, as a man using his legs as transportation, because I'm old school that way, I had a decision to make. What do I do? Because I saw them coming on the sidewalk, and I'll be honest, I was pretty ticked off. You're not supposed to be on the sidewalk using the scooters. You're supposed to be in the street, in the bike lane, and if the street doesn't have a bike lane, you know, kind of along the curb. I mean, you can't be on the sidewalk. Obviously, not enough people know that. So the scooters are coming at me, and I decide, well, first of all, I'm ticked off, and I see them from a distance, and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? Do I yield to the scooter as the person who has the right of way, <laughs> or do I just kind of hold my ground? And then the other question I had was, should I say something? Because I felt maybe they just didn't know. So should I say something to the scooter riders that would tell them, hey, in the future, guys, sidewalks are for us. You're supposed to be in the street. They came at me. I had to make the decision. Do I yield? Do I stand my ground? Do I force them into the grassy area? Maybe there could have been you know, some sort of an accident of some sort. And then secondarily, should I say something to them as they approached? You These could were, be like uh, Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. Everyone that comes on his lawn, there's kind of kind of be curmudgeon-y. Which is, <laughs> which is you. Kind of yeah. how I am in the first place. So <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you what I did or what I didn't do. And then I just want to maybe get your reaction to it. Because I want to know if you would have acted differently. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One twenty-eight. Scott Warrison for Jeff on WTMJ. So the scooters are coming at me, and <laughs> the scooters are coming at me, and I said I'm not going to move. You make it sound like they were headed for you on purpose. Well, I mean, like you were a target. Maybe I. I don't know. <laughs> I was. I was in their crosshairs. Uh, oh, don't use that term. Um, and so they're coming at me. And I thought, you know what? I am not going to move off the side. I just maybe I was just in a bad mood, which could have been that I wasn't be. in the most cordial of moods yeah. at the moment. And so I said, I'm not going to move. I'm going to stay here in the middle of the sidewalk, and you will you will adjust your path. I will not. And uh, they did. They navigated around me, right on the edge of the grass and the sidewalk, and got around. But here's the other thing I, I, I debated doing. And here's the thing: maybe somebody wants to next time because i'm sure there'll be a next time should i have said something like hey guys remember should i have been confrontational that way because i've got a feeling that maybe maybe some of these people that are driving the scooters in an incorrect manner simply don't know uh it would tick me off even so that bothers me but it would maybe tick me off even more if i knew that they were intentionally not following the rules 
Would you have? Would you? I think no, most, you're too nice. You would well, never no, say anything to Well, no, I think most people buy I wouldn't. That's not true. You're I a won't. very nice person. I am a very nice person. You provider. would never reprimand a scooter rider, would you? I, I would do it in a very... Nice uh, way. A very nonchalant nice. way. Like, hey, dude, don't you know you're supposed to be on the road? I would say it, maybe kind of say it, but do it in a joking way. But you're not joking. Right. I wouldn't be joking. In the hopes that your message would get across. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill and Oconomowoc, I would stand my ground. That's what I did. And remind them about not riding on the sidewalks. I find it hard to believe they don't know by now about the no sidewalk rule. <laughs> Are you surprised, though? I mean, really? <laughs> Dave from Appleton. Uh, yeah, this is great, Dave. I would have thrown an elbow and put them in the curb. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. That's great. That's then, uh, well, that's one way to get the. You, yeah, you very, should have said something, you yeah. coward. So oh I'm, no! I'm oh, that's not very nice. Uh, be very passive aggressive. That's that's a route. Oh, I'm, you know, be like, I hate oh being passive hey, aggressive. You guys, oh, you don't like that? No, but I probably okay. was in some ways. So that's the situation I found myself in. I stood my ground. I made them avoid me. And I didn't say something. Do you you feel bad for yeah, not I saying? Do. Then you should have said something. But then I'm, a, you know, you're kind of concerned that somebody's going to retaliate against no. you. No, not you know on a scooter. What? You, Were they going to turn around and come after you? Well, maybe there would have been some sort of confrontation then, like a rock, like throw a rock, throwing at a rock. Maybe at you? they, maybe they would have. I think you would have been okay. I think if you would have said. Hey. Because, okay, remember, they're zipping by. Right. It's just like, hey, guys, supposed to be in the road. Like, something like yeah. that. You could have done that. You would have felt better today. I would have. Yeah. I would have felt better right after. So next time. And the thing is, I had two opportunity because the one went and then the other one was like 10 seconds behind. So it was like I, quick thinking. You're like, do I say something? Do I not say I'm, something? I think I'm going to say something next time. I think you should. Because I'll tell you, if I'm out and about and I'm crossing the street and, and somebody maybe cuts me off, turns in front of me, or doesn't yield to the to the right of way as a pedestrian in the crosswalk, I will let you know. And I, I had words with a driver about that this well, weekend and I as would, well. I would agree with one of our listeners that said, I have a hard time believing people don't know that scooters aren't supposed to be on the road, at least right now. Yeah, but There's you're assuming people are smart. <laughs> well, I'm assuming you're people assuming. maybe talk about riding on their scooter, like, hey, I rode on my scooter today. And then, you know, I rode down the sidewalk. Well, oh, hey, you know. I'll, I'll let you do it. I'll let you do your news here. But, but in a moment, because what's the point of this? Is that I saw this story here in Milwaukee. There were, we, we had a car versus a scooter crash this weekend. Uh, to my knowledge, this is the first one in Milwaukee. Now, maybe there has been another or two that I've missed. And I know this has been a problem in other cities. In Atlanta, they've had multiple fatalities. People being hit on scooters by cars and losing their lives. Anyway, I'll bring you that story. And um, I don't know. Maybe I should be more confrontational next time because there will be a next time. I know there will be a next time. Okay, enough of that. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The story from Milwaukee Saturday night. You've got the intersection of Milwaukee and Wells or in that neighborhood. And around 8.15 Saturday night, um, there was a, an incident of a car versus scooter crash. Police say the victim was riding a scooter. They were struck by the car near Milwaukee and Wells. The driver of the car remained on the scene. The person on the scooter is expected to be okay, so that's good news. One person was says one person was cited in the incident, but it is unknown as to which party that was at this time. Like I say, this is the first the first one like this that I can recall. I hope it's the last. But I'm smarter than that, and I think it won't be. Hmm. 
at any rate, uh, raised the larger question about the social norms in society and when do you speak out publicly about somebody that you feel is violating some sort of law or social norm, whether it's a scooter on a sidewalk and they're coming right at you and you have to decide, hey, buddy, you know you're supposed to use this street for that. Or it can be any number of things out there in public. Uh, to the phones, Mike on the south side. Good afternoon, hey, th- sir. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, uh, I had a situation. I frequent, because my mom can't get out, so I frequent the pick and save over on 27th a lot. They know me there. Well, I go in one day, and these two young girls were tooling around, having a good old time in the store. You know those little motorized scooters? Sure that the store provides Mm -hmm. and they only have three. Well, they had two of them and I confronted them and I said, are you handicapped? She said, no. I said, you know, these are for elderly people and handicapped. Well, after she called me a fat custard, but at a B, (laughs) I just went and got the manager who I know and he took care of it Mm -hmm. and made him put them back. But, you know, I kind of mind in my own business. Mm-hmm. And then you have elderly people come in, and they have no cart, and I'll hang up and listen. Right. Thanks for the call, Mike. I, I, I think I've been in that. I think a lot of us have been in that situation before. And whether it's somebody using the motorized cart at a grocery store, and you, and you think, do they really need it, or or is that just some sort of a for convenience sake, or is it kids messing around? And then you have to decide, right? You you have to make it, the little voice in your head says, "Gosh, Scott, should you say something? Should you speak up? Should you call them out for that, or do you just kind of quietly get upset and and move on with your day in the hopes that in the, about five or ten seconds it'll be out of your mind and you'll be on to the next thought and you won't think about it anymore." Because I, there may have been a time where people felt more comfortable about confronting, you know, other people in situations like that. But I definitely think that the, not that they're going to retaliate with violence, but the thought that there may be much, much more pushback from somebody who you confront than there once was, and what will that pushback look like, and. Will it blow up into an argument in the middle of this grocery store or department store or restaurant? I think that enters people's minds now more than it used to. And it does for me. Rain in Milwaukee. Good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I was, I've been listening to this segment for a few minutes now, and I just um, I had a few experiences that I thought I'd share with you that kind of hit the nail on the head for, well, I mean, well, there's a robbery I stopped was I was being held up with a bunch of people. It was late at night. We were out for drinks and all my work buddies, you know, ran away mm. to when, when they realized that the store is being held up, but it was me, the shop owner, and then another standard by, you know, I was, I went to go run with them, but I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta do the right thing. So we stopped, we all held, held the door shut. He didn't get away. And then, uh, when he tried to run away with all the cigarettes he was stealing, I ended up tackling him and then pulling him down in the police till the police came. And then actually another anecdote, directly towards what you're saying about someone leaving a shopping cart in the middle of 
of the street, you know. And then again, you know, I, I stopped. You know, I got into his face about it, and, and you know, we almost came to blows with him in the cops are right there. Wow. I guess overall, what I'm saying, what I want to say is that you know, Gandhi said, "Be the change that you want to see in the world." And I do feel what you're commenting on in terms of, you know, that fear of you know coming to blows physically, or you know, because people will escalate it to that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't step up, if you don't stand up to what you see is wrong, then then you're contributing to that wrong thing. And, you know, it sucks and it's not right. But unless you're willing to be that change, then then you're part of the problem. Why do you think, Rain, as you reflect specifically on that situation of the robbery where you interceded and, and it paid off and you were able to, to hold him on, hold him at bay till, till the cops arrived, but you said that some of the guys or some of the crew that you were with yeah, ran yeah, off. I, I, so, know, I know what you want to say. I, my, my, was, he was a superior to me, and he said, you know, I, I'm a father. And he's like, okay. you know, you can't do that. You know, you, you got to think about your daughter in that situation. That guy could have had a gun. Like, he, he could have shot you. And I'm like, you know, I did think about that. And th- that's the reason why I did that. If, you know, I don't want to live in a world that I create for my daughter where she's going to be unsafe and there aren't going to be people, be people out there that stand up and do the right thing. And, you know, that's what I said to him. I guess that's that's what I say to you. It is. It's remarkable because the decision that we all have to make and whether it's something as dramatic as a crime being committed well, and whether or not to intercede or, or whether it's something on a much smaller scale, we all have that moment. We all have that moment, no matter no matter who we are or how we are or our age or, or anything well, well, like that. We, mean, we, we all have that I moment. May. Yeah, just one second, right? We, we all have that moment where... We decide in, in our heads, you know, yay or nay, am I going to say something? Am I going to step in and intercede or am I not? And, and it's, it fascinates me to kind of get the insights as to how people decide how they're going to answer that question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, and, you know, I don't have the answers to this, but I see it on the macro level in terms of the, what's happening in Milwaukee in terms of, I mean, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to, of white flight, about the way Milwaukee was, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. You look at the socioeconomic, socioeconomic you know, situation in places like Lake Country as opposed to Milwaukee. I mean, they just don't want to deal with it, like, right, because it sucks. Like, it's a tough problem. Like, I don't want to get my hands dirty, so I'm going to move. Or I see something that sucks right there. You know what? I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm not going to address it. And, I mean, that's that's what I see. Mm. So yep. that's, that's all I have to say. I appreciate the call, Rain, and I appreciate the comments. Uh, yeah, w- whether it's something, like you said, on the micro level, on the macro level, y- you can apply it to larger cultural issues, perhaps. But what happens in, w- w- what happens in your mind? The decision to turn away, as upset as you are, or turn towards the situation. And look, whether you're afraid that, that it's, Whatever the situation is, is going to escalate to violence. I can recognize that. But I think it's just, in general, the confrontational threat that, oh, man, I don't want to get in an argument in the middle of a grocery store. I'm not saying it's going to come to blows or violence or anything like that, but just that that confrontation that many people, I think, fear in their in their own lives, let alone with a complete stranger. And in that moment... You have to decide, is that risk that I'm running, if I'm going to confront somebody, a stranger, over a parking spot, over the use of a a motorized cart, 
over a robber, whatever it is. In that moment, you've got to weigh the pros and the cons, and it happens in a millisecond as to whether or not you're going to confront them, whether or not the risk is too great. Fascinating discussion on the human reaction, I guess, is what we're talking about when it's all said and done. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I just asked Kyle during the commercial break how his fantasy football team did. Did great. I don't care how it did. I don't care. I lost Ben Roethlisberger. Should I pick up? I don't care. I had Drew Brees as my quarterback. What should I do? Seven nine nine. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> so many people are freaking out that I lose it at quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk about your pretend football team. Seven nine nine. Hey, some real quick political news. Um, Molly Beck of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has posted this story in the last uh, well hour or so. Um. It looks there are indications that Wisconsin uh, Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald is getting closer to announcing that uh, he could uh, run for Sensenbrenner's congressional seat. Uh, Molly Beck writes, JS Online, uh, the leader of the state Senate is expected to announce soon the candidacy. Hmm. Scott Fitzgerald hasn't yet officially answered whether he'll launch a campaign to replace Sensenbrenner, but Molly Beck writes, all signs point to a congressional bid. Here's a clue. Fitzgerald for Congress is listed as an entrant in Sunday's Gemitlikite Days Parade in Jefferson. And let's be honest, if you want to run for Congress, where else do you start but the Gemitlikite Days Parade in Jefferson? Because anybody who's going to replace Sensenbrenner has got to have Gemutlikite on their side. Um, the chairwoman of the parade also confirmed that Fitzgerald himself appeared uh, in the parade and entered the event under the congressional campaign slogan. Mm. Aides to Fitzgerald did not respond to Molly Beck's request for comment. Of course, last week we found out that uh, Vukmir says, no, I'll pass. Kind of surprising, I think, maybe. Paul Farrow says, no, I'll pass. Not surprising. A lot of the pundits and the experts, so-called experts, believe he's waiting to run for governor. State Senator Dale Coinga says he'll pass. So who is considering, besides Fitzgerald, you've got uh, State Rep Adam Nalan, uh, Nilan, Nalan, Chris Kapenga, Kapenga, both of them. Matt Walker, son of Governor Scott Walker. How about another son of a former congressman, Matt Newman? What if we had Walker versus Newman, but this is the son's battle? Because remember, Scott Walker and Mark Newman battled it out for the gubernatorial primary in 2010, right? Yeah. Now we could have the sons go at it. This is like movie stuff. Because then the dads will be their surrogates, and the dads will be jousting again in the political realm here in Wisconsin. Matt v. Matt, Walker, Newman. This time, it's the son's turn. That trailer writes itself. Uh, let's see. Fitzgerald, Molly Beck does say, could run for Congress and keep his seat in the state Senate should he be unsuccessful because his term in the state Senate expires in 2022. That's always the win-win when you can still run for higher office 
and yet not be susceptible to losing your current elected office. That is the win-win. Uh, coming up in two minutes, I know this is something, Kyle, that raised your eyebrows last week, but Andrew Yang, who's offering to give out money <laughs> during the campaign, it apparently, the stunt, if you want to call it a stunt, has paid off because his campaign fundraising, his overall profile has exploded since Thursday night when he debuted this proposed promise, if you will, during the debates. I'll give you the details next on WTMJ. I'm Scott Warris, in for Jeff Wagner. So last Thursday, Andrew Yang, who is doing a pretty good job as somebody who I would say not many Americans knew of before he ventured into the Democratic presidential primary. Yesterday, last Thursday's debate, he kind of offered that little surprise of giving away $120,000 to 10 families over a year to highlight his universal basic, basic income proposal. So he did that in the 72 hours since the... Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff is out. A little bit of a delay coming back with his listener trip from Europe. So, Scott Morris with you. We anticipate Mr. Wagner back in the usual time slot tomorrow. I bet he's going to come back with some pretty good stories, too. You know, Jeff will come back with some pretty good... So what happened in the airport? How did everybody react when you... Maybe you learned before you got to the airport that, eh, our flight's been canceled. you got to take another one. Who knows? Who knows? He went to Amsterdam, right? That was one of the stops. I, I heard Jeff and, and Melissa and John having some fun as to what he would or would not be doing in Amsterdam. Yeah, I think it was a river cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, but Amsterdam was one of the stops. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, souvenir-wise? Are you getting a magnet? A bottle opener. I yeah. I always like the keychains or the key magnets, chain. something yeah. like that, something small. Um, fridge. But as long as it's not coming from an airport. Well, you might not know. <laughs> no, could... I think you can. You can. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. You could get some pretty legitimate keychain slash magnet slash bottle opener in airports. I would rather have a keychain of like. Maybe a building or something that's famous at that area instead of like the the normal like rectangle like Florida, you, you know. I I don't need I don't need that or Amsterdam. I don't I don't want that. Like if the if someone goes to France uh-huh. or Paris, I'll give you that or Paris, a perfect example. You don't need a, the rectangle keychain. This is France. I just want the the little Eiffel Tower keychain. That's perfect. Oh. You know they probably sell those at the airport, though. The Eiffel Tower keychain. Yeah, because that's so original. You can only find those at exclusive little shops around around Paris. I just don't want a rectangle. Okay, point. I hope. I'm gonna, well, we'll see what he brings you. We'll see what he brings. When I was a kid, I collected, if my family went on trips out of state, um, I collected. We collected the magnets, the refrigerator magnets, in the shape of the state that you visited. And so we would always collect those. And then on the side of the fridge, you tried to eventually kind of build the United States based on the magnets you got. That was, that was our thing. If I could get a magnet from the state of fill in the blank, then that was a good trip for the Warris family. 
at least it was for me. Maybe he'll bring me back something like a shape of uh, uh, the France. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. All right. We've really set this up big now. And I'm in tomorrow for Scafidi. So uh, during the crosstalk segment at 11.55, we will put Jeff on the spot and say, all right, Jeff, we're ready for our souvenirs. Okay, I... um. There's been a lot of admissions today on the show. I, I, I enjoy the time. Look, I think for people who who listen when I'm in for Jeff or Steve or, or to the Saturday show, I enjoy topics where I can kind of, I'll, I'll just tell you that I'm struggling with a certain subject matter or how would, how would you react in a certain way that I did? did? Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? I just, I find those to be really interesting human behavioral type reactionary topics and you and i kyle were talking about this one off the air i will make the admission here at 213 on a monday the topic of vaping and the outrage that is being emitted from so many different chambers if you will outrage related to the handful of deaths across the country that are now attributed to vaping, the outrage toward the federal government, the FDA, for not doing enough to regulate, to warn, if you believe that there's more warning that is necessary, Um, the outrage maybe from parents that find their kids are doing this and now there's more health risks. Maybe it's in response to what we learned last week, that the administration has announced an effort to ban the e-cigarettes that have a flavor other than tobacco because they feel it's geared towards a younger demo attract trying to trying to you know attract them based on the flavor i need to be honest with you because i've thought about this now for a few weeks as the story gets bigger draws more headlines I feel as if I'm not as outraged as a lot of people. I feel as if I'm not able to ratchet up my anger as I hear from a lot of people on the topic general here, the topic of vaping. My outrage meter is 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 not is not peaking in the red as it is for a lot of people. And I think at the end of it all, for me, well, for me it comes down to, I just don't think in general a lot of a lot of the onus is placed on the individual user. I put a lot more on personal responsibility than I think many people do when they look to place blame. And there's so many different players and trying to keep track of what is going on can be confusing in this. I get that. And there's science involved, so that kind of you know adds a certain element to it. I've got to be honest, and I, I I would love to hear your reaction. Do you agree with me, or are you are you with me? I'm having a tough time really getting upset about vaping, and 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 the reported illnesses, and yes, my gosh, even deaths that are that are attributed to this. And I think, like I say, at the end of it for me is that. Your lungs are meant for one thing, oxygen. If you choose to put something else in your body, 
if you choose to put a foreign substance into your lungs, into your system, there is a chance that there will be side effects, harmful side effects to doing so. Now, when I say that, I recognize that many of you will say, Scott, you ignorant fool. Of course there are side effects. But nevertheless, the federal government should be looking out for us, should be looking to protect us, so that if we are using something along the lines of, you know, an e-cigarette, we're vaping. Yes, it may not be healthy for us, and it isn't, but it also should not kill us. Then make that case. But as I sit here, and as I watch this topic grow bigger and broader and be brought up by news entities and other talk hosts and things like that, in a full moment of, of, of clarity, folks, I'm having a really tough time getting amped up on this topic. And obviously, if, if you have somebody who takes part in this practice, is, is a smoker, maybe they're trying to get off of traditional cigarettes and so they turn to e-cigarettes and vaping in an effort to to wean themselves off of smoking altogether you can make a case why the side effects of vaping is of the utmost importance for you right now if you're a parent of a teenager and you found your son or daughter is doing this unbeknownst to you and maybe now because it's in the headlines you've you've talked with them or have realized they're doing it and are trying to now get them off of it altogether it's important to you i can't get there i I just i i cannot get to the level of outrage of a lot of people in society right now in vaping what's wrong with me (laughs) tell me what's wrong with me or do you agree because in the end like i said A lot of it for me comes down to personal responsibility. If you're going to smoke something, whether it's a traditional cigarette or an e-cigarette, you run the risk of health side effects, negative side effects. You just do. And if you're going to go down that avenue, there's a risk you run. And I can only get so upset if you find yourself with an illness tied to vaping. 414-799-1620 414-799-1620 on the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. You can make the case that right now in America, there is no greater topic, no more prominent subject than what is happening with e-cigarettes, vaping, the administration, what it's done to young people, the culture. And yet, I admit it registers for me, but not as much as it does for a lot of people. Where does it register for you right now? 414-799-1620. We'll continue next. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. The vaping topic. I admit my level of outrage it seems to pale in comparison to the outrage that is out there right now. A- am I alone in this? A couple textures quickly before we go to the phones. 262, I completely agree with you. The blame is on the user. No different than I blame people who drink alcohol or smoke marijuana. They know the risks. It's up to them to choose to do it or not. 
but then they can only blame themselves if something happens. Mark from Bristol, I couldn't agree with you more. It is an individual's choice, but as a society, we always look to put the blame anywhere but on our own heads. Hmm. I don't know. This is just something that I've been thinking about the last few days. It's a prominent subject, and I, I, I realize that topics like this, which which touch a lot of people in a lot of different ways, topics like this deserve addressing in formats like this. So I fight the responsibility I have when I get the, 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 the privilege of filling in and hosting a show on WTMJ to talk about it. But I'll be honest, folks. To turn on the mic and, 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 and scream outrage at, at the federal government, at the, the, the makers of, of the e-cigarettes, at Juul and whatnot, I see that, I recognize that, but I, 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 it's just, it'd be fake and phony of me to get on these airwaves and broadcast outrage because I don't feel outrage at them. I put it on the users. And how outraged should I get? If you're going to smoke something that is going to do you harm. And if anybody thought up until now that it wasn't, I, I think you're, you're, you're kind of a fool. Hmm. Jeff in West Bend. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? I'm pretty good. Your thoughts, bud? Um, I agree with you on the part that I believe it is up to the user's discretion if they want to do it. It's mm-hmm. their body. It's their choice to put it in there. Um, the issue that I have with it is a lot of the misinformation that's out there regarding these people that have been getting sick and that have been dying. Um, it seems to me that most of these people have been getting sick or dying due to vaping these black market THC cartridges. Right. Right. Not the tobacco products. Right. So. Well, right. No, and, and that is true. But, <laughs> I mean, oh, so, I mean, you're smoking something. You shouldn't be smoking it. And, oh, you got a bad batch, to put it mildly. You got a bad batch. Well, now I really feel sorry for you. I, I mean, my my level of outrage and to some degree care, it, it, it only goes so far. So I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I can't necessarily go along with the, oh, I feel badly for the people who got a bad batch, but not so much for the people who got a good batch. I, I mean, I, I don't... You, you run a risk, do you not? You run a risk that if, oh, you're, if you're taking some sort of drug, regardless of what it is, and there's something even worse about whatever it is you're smoking than you expected and and you suffer even worse effects than otherwise i you know i agree yeah. it's just i i haven't heard of anybody saying that they got sick or they died because they were they were vaping the tobacco related mm-hmm. products well it's not good for you though no you you're right you're absolutely right thanks for the call Jeff but it's it's still not good for you so if it's not good for you there may be some harmful effects down the line. Am I expressing this? Well, maybe not. Jim, Lake Geneva. Hey, Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, um, I, you know, I agree with you as well. I think it's buyer beware. Yeah. You know, if you want to do it, that's fine, as long as it doesn't you know, interfere with me. My concern is the marketing towards kids. Um, you know, I, I was a teacher, and, and a lot of the 
not so much the tobaccos, but the devices are meant to hide the fact that they're vaping. And that's my, if you will, outrage. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the call. Thank you, Jim. Yes, the... Is there warranted outrage for the companies that are specifically targeting a younger demo, knowing they shouldn't, knowing that 18 years old is the cutoff for which these products are to be sold, and yet it's one of those things where everybody looks the other way, and we know that you know that we know that it's going to go to a younger demo, which also raises the question as to if you think the ban proposed on flavored e-cigarettes is that really going to make a difference i mean is is that really is that really getting at the root cause of the issue here or the problem here hmm. we'll continue in two minutes scott warris wtmj jeff wagner on wtmj Two thirty-six, wisconsin's afternoon news coming up at three o'clock before i get out of here today Making a little time for Great Scott Magpies. Magpies. Did you know that magpies are one of the most intelligent of all the bird species? I did not realize that magpies are one of only a few non mammal species that are able to recognize itself in a mirror. How about that? Yeah, they're pretty intelligent, all right, and they can be deadly as well. An Australian bike rider died yesterday after he veered off the road to avoid a swooping magpie that insisted on attacking him. 76-year-old man cycling along in a parkway. A witness saw him careen into a fence post as he tried to avoid the bird. Fell off his bike, serious head injuries, and he passed away. Mag, have you ever seen a magpie? Striking black and white birds. They really are. Look like an Oreo with wings. They co- Apparently, this is a common thing in Australia, swooping down, harassing people from August to October because it's mating season. Never get in the way of a bird during mating season. Professor uh, Gisela Kaplan, who studies animal behavior at the University of New England, said that the birds swoop when they perceive an unknown threat by an intruder. A stranger means an intrusion. She said magpies are smart enough to recognize people and their habits and won't swoop anyone they've come to know and trust. So it serves us humans to befriend the magpie, apparently. Wow. Yeah, magpies are most aggressive in September after eggs have been laid. There's actually a website, magpiealert.com, which allows Australians to self-report attacks from the birds across the country. They've tracked over 1,700 attacks in this calendar year already. More than 200 injuries have come of it. Wow. A variety of defense mechanisms are used in Australia, including sticking cable ties and painting eyes on helmets. So if you're on your bike and you have a helmet, paint eyes on there. That'll kind of keep them at bay. Park Service in Australia's National Park says, Weirdly, magpies are less likely to swoop if you look at them. So you actually have to lock eyes with them and hold the stare down until you're out of sight. So stare down magpies, and that'll avoid 
their attack, apparently. Right, Scott! Take you to Missouri now, here in the States. A Missouri woman and her doctors say her not one, not two, but her three emotional support monkeys are vital to her mental well-being. Neighbors worry the primates are dangerous. <laughs> Woman's name is Texan McBride Tian. She lives with her three monkeys, which are all registered as emotional support animals to help with her post-traumatic stress disorder. She says they're not dangerous. They're trained. They assist me. I have PTSD because of something that happened to me a long, long time ago. She doesn't detail that. She says it was very bad. She has lived and trained with monkeys for 20 years, and it wasn't until she moved to this new town in Missouri that a neighbor complained. That neighbor who saw one of the monkeys outside was worried about it attacking and called the city. Neighbor says it's a wild animal. They belong in the zoos, you know, in their natural habitat. I believe in the rule of law. If they're considered a dangerous animal, it can carry something as nasty as hepatitis. They should not be here. Hmm. The city has cited this woman. According to the city, non-human primates are considered inherently dangerous animals, along the likes of lions, alligators, and pythons. None are allowed in residential areas. Here's a shock. The woman has a court hearing coming up in November, at which a judge will decide what will happen to the monkeys. Yes, everybody loves their emotional support monkey until they try to eat your face off. Right, Scott! And last but not least... California woman last week was on a high-speed train that was racing down the tracks. Her fiancé by her side when some bad guys appeared, she said. This is a dream she had. There was only one way to protect her 2.4 carat diamond engagement ring. Swallow it. This is a dream she had. So that's what she did. She woke up. She was relieved that it was just a bad dream. But she realized right away, I'm not wearing my engagement ring anymore. She told the Today Show, that is exactly when I realized where it was. In her sleep, because of what she had in her nightmare, her bad dream, the woman swallowed her engagement ring. How about that? I couldn't help but laugh. She laughed. Then I had to wake up and tell my fiancé that I swallowed the engagement ring I was wearing. She went to an urgent care clinic where doctors decided against letting the ring pass naturally. It would have gotten messy. Instead, referred her to a gastroenterologist, promptly performed an upper uh, endoscopy, endoscopy, endoscopy. There you go. Which is the insertion of a small camera and device down someone's throat. They were able to extract it just beyond her stomach. They found it in the intestinal tract. Oof, that would have been painful. Evan said her fiancé returned the ring to her on Thursday. Bobby finally gave my ring back this morning. I promise not to swallow it again. We're still getting married, and all is right in the world. I'm so grateful that I can laugh about it. See? You never know. Those bad dreams that you have, sometimes they can manifest themselves into reality. Wow. What's going to happen to the wedding ring, though? This was just the engagement ring. Anyway... Be careful. Now, now I'm paranoid as to what's going to happen in my next bad dream. Who knows? Wake up, swallow a cell phone or something like that. Anyway, that is a Monday Wagner Show edition of...